Welcome to the first episode of Turnbuckle Commentary, a new wrestling podcast where I discuss the week in wrestling. My name is Wade Hayden. I am also on Twitch at Freak Show Incorporated, where I stream mostly single player games. So we will start off this week with the January 27th, 2020 Raw. This is a pretty good Raw. The last few have been good, though. Um, they, I don't know, ever since Heyman took over, it's actually been enjoyable. Well, of course, while Raw has increased in quality, SmackDown has done the opposite. So, we're coming in from the Royal Rumble after Drew McIntyre won the men's and Charlotte won the women's. And, of course, the massive return of Edge. Oh, that made me happy. You can see my Royal Rumble predictions as well as my Royal Rumble post-show over on YouTube, which I will link on my Twitter. Anyway, let's get started. So the show opened up with a promo from our Royal Men's Royal Rumble winner, Drew McIntyre, saying he did what he promised. He eliminated Lesnar, and that he did. That was a awesome elimination. A little bit tarnished, considering Lesnar was kicked in the balls from behind by Ricochet, but he still gave him that big boot and put him over that rope. So, let's see this after this excellent promo. Out comes the club, Gallows and Anderson, to challenge him. And they proceeded to be squashed. I don't know why Paul Heyman felt it necessary to do this in a handicap match. Like, he pinned Drew McIntyre, that is, pinned both of them in this handicap match. This was... I was not a fan of this. I mean, they could have had, you know, Gallows get pinned and have Anderson attack him post-match. And then he lays him out. What I did like, though, was after this match was Brock Lesnar blindsiding him. This tells us that Brock Lesnar sees Drew McIntyre as a threat. And when he, so, he sees him as a threat, this could be a very good lead-up and a very good match at WrestleMania. I don't care what anyone says, Brock Lesnar is an amazing, amazing wrestler. He does what is needed, and he does it very, very well. Yeah, and then, in segment two, of course, we had Rey Mysterio versus... MVP. Now it turns out this was MVP's last match in WWE. And he wishes, from what I've seen, he wishes to become a backstage agent. That'd be a very good talent to have back there. This was basically a greatest hits match. They all hit their their big stuff that they're known for. MVP showed a lot of strength, although he has slowed down. That was noticeable, but so has Ray, though not as much. This is a fairly slow match for who was in it. Yeah, MVP kick Ray's head off at one point. That was pretty good. But you also had MVP standing outside the ring, just waiting to catch Ray off a top rope maneuver. I hate that. Give us some reason why he is standing there instead of just looking dumb, waiting for a high spot. <clears throat> of course, where Mysterio ends up winning this match, I mean, he's the one sticking around, so smart move. It looked like crap, though. Uh, this 619, but MVP got up and took it in the back, and it just looked bad. Bad, bad, bad. It was great seeing MVP back, and apparently he was doing that match for his son, whose favorite wrestler is Rey Mysterio. So that that makes up, up for the poor-looking f- finish. You know, uh, throughout the night, of course, we also saw Edge career highlights. You know, spearing Jeff Hardy off the ladder, the Money in the Bank cash-in, returning at Rumble 2010, and of course, his 2011 retirement and returning this year throughout the night. We saw those. Alistair Back squashed a local, which I'm liking. I like seeing squash matches. It makes him look pretty good. So, that, that I really liked. Give Alistair something, but when you see these, what's it say... About Buddy Murphy. He's gone from that amazing feud with Buddy Murphy. Back to local talent. I just hope we see something big from him. I know I've seen it reported that he. It was down to him and Drew for winning the Rumble. I think they went the right way with Drew. He's way more over. 
let's build Alistair Black up to be that main event competitor that he definitely can be. You know, of course, after that we had Seth and Buddy versus Kevin Owens and Joe. You know, the old dueling promos. Owens being Owens, Seth being Seth, you know. I did like how you know, Owens uh, pulled out some soft ones like calling Seth a jackass, saying he sucks. What was interesting, though, you know, this is kind of nice. Right now, with Kevin Owens especially, we are seeing a smart face. Someone who isn't getting blindsided every freaking week. Because he asks, you know, he's, he's wondering where Authors of Pain are. And it turns out, for some reason, Seth has a camera in the locker room trained on Authors of Pain that we see. Owens is, you know, says this is pretty good. And then the Viking Raiders attack AOP. Now here's the problem I have with this match. Why are the two tag teams attacking each other in the back? Well, the two random pairings are the ones in the title match and holding the titles. I don't know what the hell's going on there. That just... <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense to me. But during this match, we did see a dominant Joe, especially against Buddy Murphy, which is good. Up until Samoa Joe got injured, which is too bad. Uh, and of course, there, you know, there will be a little commentary from King throughout this night that is just, he needs to get his ass out of the 90s. So, oh god. It was, it was just bad. The finish saw, we saw Kevin Owen was going to stun Buddy. Seth comes in the ring. Kevin Owen stuns Seth, turns around. No, sorry, he doesn't turn around. But he sneaks up behind him, rolls him up for a nice sneaky win. Good finish, good finish. Made sense, and we got Buddy getting a win. <clears throat> you know, and then of course, after this, yet again, we get Andrade versus the charismatic vacuum of Humberto Carrillo in a U.S. title match. I mean, it came out after we found out why this match happened, because Andrade got popped by the, by the wellness policy. Yet he kept his title. That's okay, whatever you say. <laughs> oh man, they did write him off nicely though. We saw Umberto get get it get it all back by hammerlock DDTing Andrade on the concrete, at least at the end with a very distraught Zelina Vega calling for help. You know, um, after that we have a Becky Lynch promo that was pretty cocky, but she she backs it up. She has backed it up. I don't think this is a heel turn. She just sounded confident and cocky is all. We're, if we do get that Shayna Baszler match at WrestleMania, this could be very, very good. You know, WrestleMania right now is shaping up to be quite good. And I'm looking forward to some of the matches, but not the length. Oh dear God, eight hours of WWE programming in one day. Ugh, Jesus. Thank God edibles are legal here. <laughs> Let's see, what do I got in my notes for this one? Numerous me asking why the hell they're doing this again. <laughs> Lawler said Umberto reminds him of Justin Bieber. I don't know if that's supposed to be a compliment or not. I'm Canadian, up here that ain't a compliment. <laughs> we saw, you know, some pretty standard stuff. Andrade countering Zelina. Zelina broke up the pin, though, with a... Uh, off the, off the, uh, was she off the top? Fuck, I don't have that in here. Anyway, Zelina Vega breaks up the pin, resulting in a DQ. Now, this was a good finish when it happened. The problem is, we'll get into the next match, and we'll find out what the problem is there. But, it was, it was good. I mean, post-match, the post-match stuff made it kind of worth it. It's too bad we won't see Andrade for a month. Hopefully they decide to do some sort of tournament for the title or strip them of the title. I'm not sure there. But, <clears throat> um, yeah, that's too bad he got popped on the uh, on the wellness policy. That's a damn shame. He's one of my favorites. You know, <clears throat> Charlotte comes out, cuts a promo. I, after that, I, what the hell are they doing? Is Charlotte a face or a heel? Sometimes it seems like a face. She's a face. Sometimes it seems like a heel. I think the company wants her to be a face, but of course the crowd's not taking any of it because this is a Roman Reigns situation with her. 
So, yeah, let's let's just make her a heel again. Even when she's trying to be a face, she's a heel. Like, ugh. She says she's going to challenge for a championship. It doesn't say what championship. Well, you know, of course, rumor is she's going to be challenging Rhea Ripley for WrestleMania. That, uh, I'm hoping it's a good match. I mean, they have similar styles. So, similar looks, too. Similar builds. This could be a good match. It could be boring, though, too, To be, I think, to be honest. Um, we had Asuka, of course, come out. Uh, the challenger, I guess. But the Kabuki Warriors attack Charlotte going into the commercial. And when we come back, it's Asuka versus Charlotte. <clears throat> Asha has a really nice oct- octopus submission. I mean, it's nothing compared to AJ Lee's Black Widow, but it's still a very nice looking submission. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, Charlotte's setting up. Oh. Yeah, of course. Charlotte goes, well, it looked like a Spanish fly. But Kari Sane distracts the ref, and Asuka pushed Charlotte to the floor. We had a uh, an octopus on the canvas, which was good. Uh, false finish after a very, very strong powerbomb. That's the thing with Charlotte. When she does these power moves, she lays them in. Like, she really lays them in. A little too much to Kari Sane at TLC. But, well, we won't get into that. I'm still pissed off about that. Charlotte, of course, does a couple spears to a false finish. You know, this is a show where Edge is returning, and we're doing a spear. Come on. Let's let's at least hold off spears for shows Edge isn't on or isn't around for. It's his move. Unless Goldberg's there, then it's his move. <laughs> and, and then, this is what I was getting to on that last match. Charlotte has Asuka pinned. Kyrie singles to the top rope, does the insane elbow. For a disqualification. This is two matches in a row. Two matches in a row. Where we had essentially the same finish. A DQ brought up by either a manager or a tag team partner. I I hated this. Just because it was the exact same finish. That said, this was a good match. A very physical match. It looked, looked great. But... I think the finish kind of dulled it a little bit. I mean, if this, I think, was better than than the uh, Andrade match, it fit better, but whatever. (laughs) At least they could have put these, you know, had a seg between them or something. Um, You know, after we then transitioned to a Street Profits backstage segment, I love the Street Profits. I love the Street Profits. They consistently entertain me, with the exception of those Saturday Night Live rip-off skits. Those are... Uh, those are bad. But Kelly Kelly came in. You know, Montez Ford starts singing beatboxing her theme. And he is very good at beatboxing. <laughs> yeah, he sings her theme. <laughs> and And he also kind of flirted with her a little bit, kind of hitting on her. Kelly Kelly was awkward. Jerry King Lawler was more awkward. If you watched Royal Rumble and heard a couple of his calls for Kelly Kelly during the match, you'll understand. Um, next one was fun. 24-7 match. Just a standard match, not some weird-ass backstage segment. Just You got Mojo Rawley out there, and he introduces Riddick Moss as his offensive lineman. It's a, it's a good pairing. I enjoy that. Could be good. I mean, they both got the football gimmick. Uh, Mojo Law has lost that whatever the hell it was a few months back with the weird face paint and the mirror and uh, yeah that that was bad that that's gone now. No way Jose accepts the challenge. We know where this is going. <laughs> very quick match. Very very quick match. You know, but after the match, one of the. Uh, Conga line guys, a cheeseburger, no, not Ring of Honor's cheeseburger, comes out and rolls him out for a quick pin, and we have our truth yet again as 24-7 champion for about 30 seconds. <laughs> Mojo regains his 24-7 championship. 
now we get to probably, I would say, the lowest point of Raw from Monday. And that is Lana versus Liv in a match no one really cares. Just end this already. Look, I love Liv. <laughs> I've been a fan of her for a bit now. It's pretty much since she started getting pretty good on the main roster with Riot Squad. I, oh, dear God. Why'd they give her Lana? <laughs> I don't care about the YouTube metrics for this whole Lana, Lashley, Rusev stuff. This is just... This is not good. This is this is pure Heyman. This has Heyman all over it. Although Rusev has been entertaining. Getting a little tongue-tied there. Rusev was entertaining this feud, but... Oh, man. You know what? Liv looked great. She's got the new attire, the new look, and she has some skill. But this was this was a just a dead match. Just bad. Liv went over, thankfully. The crowd, as far as it came across on TV, didn't give a flying you-know-what. Oh, man. Ugh, this was bad. And then there let me up after this is Rowan squashing yet another local talent. With whatever the is in the cage. I I can't wait to see what's in this cage, to be honest. It better, this better not be, you know, Geraldo in the vault type of thing where it's nothing. I, I probably will be. Let's face it, this is WWE. As good as it's been lately for Raw, I still don't expect much out of this. Could be nothing, could be something, could be, you know, just who the hell knows. It's probably his, like, frickin' mask or something stupid like that. I won't be surprised. <sighs> At least after this, though, we had a nice commercial. I was gonna talk about this little commercial, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie commercial. Oh, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> Finally, we get to the true main event of the night. Yes, that's right. The final match of the night was Rowan squashing a local talent. Okay, what the hell? <laughs> anyway, you think you know me. Yeah, Edge making his raw return. His entrance was not the same, though, without Tony Chimmel and that voice crack on Superstar, but... Ugh, crowd starts chanting, you still got it. Edge saying, you're damn right I do. We get a yes chant. And Edge thanking Daniel Bryan for that yes chant, saying it's his first one. Just very, very genuine. Very genuine. And he confirms he is back in WWE. Now, his contract status did was reported as five matches a year. So, uh, we've had one match. we got four more matches. I'm assuming this is going to be a big four plus a Saudi show type of thing. Or maybe a major Raw, but probably a big four plus a Saudi show. It'd be great if it was a Canadian appearance. Although, in Toronto, we got booed out of the building. So, <laughs> we'll see about that. Now, he gives just that, that beautiful, genuine promo. Mention some some fun stuff, though, you know. You get a welcome home chant. He wants to retire on his own terms yeah, instead of that neck injury, which just must give hope to a lot of guys. I mean, Sheamus is dealing with the same injury and still going strong. So hopefully we get a longer career out of Sheamus. And, of course, Paige. I mean, that, that's there, too. It'd be nice to see her return, although... I highly doubt it for her. One thing that happened, though, he did mention Roman, and it was a very mixed reaction. It sounded like equal boos and cheers on TV, at least. And then we get this just lovely, lovely, lovely rated RKO reunion. Randy Orton comes out, another yes chant. He's, you know, being all genuine. Oh, let's get our created RKO back together. Now, remember, though, the night before the Royal Rumble, Edge eliminated Orton. So Orton says, yes, we'll get we'll get our rated RKO back together. Goes behind Edge and lays him out with the RKO. I don't think anyone's too shocked. I mean, there was definitely a pop in that crowd for the RKO. For they realized, oh, Edge is down. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, that was something. Oh, man. But then he adds on to it. Randy Orton can never be a face again after this. Okay. 
he gets he goes out gets a chair throws a chair and just goes to work on edge's back with the chair you suck chance start raining out the crowd is pissed which is great just great excellent excellent heat from randy but then he puts the chair over his head puts it right over edge's head goes up to the middle middle rope and just you know Drinks it in. You hear the booze. The crowd is not happy. Then he, you know, it seems like he might be having a little bit of a change of heart. Gets down, grabs the chair off edge, and puts it under his head now. Uh-oh. You know, gets out, grabs more, grabs another chair, goes in there. Concerto to the head. Oh, man. Oh. This is just perfect way to set up that match at WrestleMania. Definitely, definitely, definitely good. After that, we go to the title. and get that nice little title card in the bottom. And with Randy Orton standing over a murdered edge. Oh, what a... I mean, it's a great way storyline to end the show. You know, as a massive edge fan since my childhood. You know, F you, Orton. Oh, God. Okay... I don't want to talk about SmackDown until the end because we all just love SmackDown right now, don't we? So let's talk about a good show first. And that is, of course, All Elite Wrestling Dynamite from January 29th, 2020. Has there been a bad Dynamite? I mean, there's been a couple of lower points as far as Dynamite goes. I wouldn't say there's been a bad one, though. And this one was, I don't know, this one was good. You know, opens up with John Moxley, who is way, way over. And this was in his hometown. So a nice little homecoming for Mox. Says the fun and games are over with Jericho. And promotes his match at Revolution on February 29th. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. And he talks about what Jericho has done in the past. But this is the interesting thing about this. He mentions Jericho removing Rey Mysterio's mask, and he, of course, mentions punching... Well, he says he punches a woman, which, as we know, is referring to the just amazing feud and the accidental punch to HBK's wife, the former Nitro Girl. And, oh, it was that was just good. That was very, very good. You know, and, of course, right now Mox only has the one eye, so he says he's going to watch out... With his one eye behind his head. And for Jericho. And any ambushes by the inner circle. And then he challenges Jericho to a match. Tonight. That's when Jericho comes out. Of course. Jericho comes out. The crowd is singing Judas. Which is just a good song. Such a good song. I'm glad to see it getting some. Some much needed love. Eh. <laughs> Funny thing is, when the crowd stops, or when the song stops, the crowd starts booing. That that made me laugh. Actually, I don't know if they're booing the song stopping or the uh, or Jericho himself. I mean, wrestling crowds do have a tendency to get themselves over, especially with the more smart crowds like what AEW draws. <laughs> but anyway, Jericho, you know, goes for the cheap heat, and then you know he tells him that Moxley should have said yes to joining the inner circle. Well, he did. Then he, you know, said he lied, took the car keys, and smashed a bottle over Jericho's head. <clears throat> that was a good closing segment, that one. I really liked that. Oh, man. Jericho, you know, of course, he, uh, he's not gonna face him on Wednesday night. Not with a pay-per-view match, but it's a nice little tease. <laughs> Jericho, t- sometimes he gets a little sophomoric with his promos still, but still gets over. And he said he's gonna... Call Mox's mother later. Okay. <laughs> and he says that Mox can't even, doesn't even have what it takes to blink with both eyes. Of course, Jericho stuck that spike to Mox's eye and blinded him in the one eye two weeks ago. Interesting, interesting segment. But he denies the challenge, like I said, and the inner circle comes out, the rest of them. They have their own Tron and some pretty generic music now. And Mox, he just wants to fight. He wants to fight. 
you know, he, uh, Jericho calls him a son of a bitch. Says he's going to kick the shit out of him. Santino and Ortiz they come out. Or sorry, they bring out their backup. Bunch of uh, kind of Latino looking gangbangers, of course. And then Ortiz leads the pack, take, eats a DDT. Mox attacks the remaining nine, which is just idiotic. You know, I said before, we have no dumb baby faces on Raw. Well, this was pretty dumb. Why is one man attacking nine? This makes no sense. You get a pull apart. Security guards eat, are eating DDTs. And then Mox leaves through the crowd. Like, come on, man. No one thinks they're going to beat up nine guys. This is... This is typical AEW booking. <clears throat> you get an MJF pre-tape after this. In the Butcher of the Blade and the Bunny's little restaurant butcher shop. Something like that. With like music in the background and some weird effects over. But he hands them, a, hands them an envelope of money with the Young Bucks on it. What the hell? Well, they didn't give us much time to wonder. Because we get back from that and MJF... Enters with Wardlow. <clears throat> or, you know, during this entrance, of course, it goes to the picture-in-picture commercial. Which I guess is nice. You know, they, they handled this picture-in-picture quite well, actually. Um, you had Wardlow ripping a fan sign. MJF goes, sees a fan. He's got a sign asking for spare chains. Change pulls out what looks like a $1 bill. I would assume it's not real money. But he rips it in half in front of the guy. You know, he's, he keeps going, he finds a fan with a scarf and, you know, flosses his taint with it. Throw, <laughs> throws it in, well, it looked like a kid's face. Kid or a very young-looking adult. He throws it right in his face. He's trying to make a, a girl kiss his ring. And her, I would assume, her boyfriend or so, someone there with her kisses the ring instead. And heads to the commentator table. <clears throat> I believe it went to commercial here. And then it, we get to... We get the Young Bucks versus the Butcher and the Blade. You know, I've been a fan of the Young Bucks for a long time. Long, long time since their TNA days. Good old Generation Me. Man, TNA did not know what they had there. That can be said of a lot of guys at that time, during the Hogan-Bischoff era. But, I mean... Who's going to believe the Young Bucks are beating the Butcher and the Blade? Especially the size of the Butcher. Andy Williams is not a small man. <laughs> but, you know, we have... we Of course, as I said, we have MJF on commentary. He explains, you know, their, their money in the envelope was to take out the Young Bucks. Why this needed to be a match, you know? But, of course, several times we get the bunny interfering. You get the blade doing suicide dives in a mat. You know, Butcher and the Blade are dominant throughout... This match, especially during picture-in-pictures. <clears throat> MJF is promoting the Ten Lashes. Which are going to be this week on AEW Dynamite. This is... That, I think, might be a little uncomfortable to watch, to be honest. But... You know, we finally get... You know, we get a hot tag from Matt Jackson. With the, just his the usual Young Bucks big comeback spot fast. Spot, 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 spot. Come on. Let's, let's just get something. <laughs> yeah, we get the top rope elbow for a two count. More spot fast. Melts a driver. And we get a pin on the blade. Like, come on. Really? Why, why, are, why are the Young Bucks beating Butcher and the blade? But then we get the post-match. The post-match. Oh, man. MJF's piss and the Butcher attacks the Young Bucks. Kenny runs out for the save. But while the Butcher and Blade are attacking the Young Bucks, the MJ MJF explains this is what he paid them to do. See, why did we have the match then? If he's paying them to attack the Young Bucks, just attack the goddamn Young Bucks. This match was completely pointless. There was no reason for it. Ugh. I hate this nonsensical booking sometimes that AEW seems to have. But Kenny Omega comes out for the save, couple V-triggers, you know, crowd pops. Hangman Page just kind of walks out, beer in hand, hands the beer to Matt Jackson, lariats the butcher, and drinks the beer. And that's that on that one. <laughs> Ugh, man, I just... 
what they're doing with uh, Hangman's pretty good right now. As long as they don't stray into the Scott Hall WCW territory, we'll be good. If they can stay closer to Stone Cold drinking beer, awesome. Awesome. But yeah, if they go, to, let's, let's not make alcoholism a storyline, please. Just a guy enjoying some beer. Then we get to the lowest point of Dynamite, which as usual is the women's match. I still can't believe Excalibur said that AEW has the best women's roster in the world, the best women's division in the world, sorry. Oh, come on, man. Don't don't bullshit us. <laughs> NXT is better. You know, Raw and SmackDown are both better. Impact, well, maybe if they figure out what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, there we go. I cussed again. God damn it. Maybe if they figure out what they're doing, they'll get some proper some proper uh, women's matches in Impact. But, oh, man. This... <laughs> I got a lot of notes on this match, but at the end of the day, I'm just going to say this was a very, very slow match. Neither of them looked good. And, you know, Swole is good. But neither of them looked good. Just a bad match. Bad, bad match. What's new for the women's division, though? Thankfully, the next match we got a bit. We got better. Kip Sabian and Cody with Arn Anderson. Of course, Kip came out. With uh, Penelope, that's her name. <laughs> Blanking on her name there. But she, he comes out with Penelope. And we get a good match here, actually. We get a good match. We find out that Cody versus the Warlow in the cage is in three weeks. So that'll be two weeks from this week's episode. Okay, we Kip Sabian starts off hot with a dropkick into the corner. You know, Kip, uh, Kip of course, shoves Arn Anderson. Cody kicks, like, oh, But, you know, at one point we get the Cody Rhodes knocking out Penelope Ford, which we usually see when Brandy is there. He picks up Penelope Ford. Like, this is the spot he does with Brandy all the time. Well, do we just need to get this spot in? Do we need to... Are they trying to make us say, oh, look at Cody. He actually did this. He obviously cares about women. He obviously cares about her. Like, what the... F- Almost did it again there. Almost did it again. I'm going to use our swear jar for this pod. But they, oh man, come on. Carries her out, gets gets a little drive-by off the apron by Kip. And we find out that Penelope's not knocked out, she's playing possum. No bloody shit. Come on. This, oh god, why? Why? And then later on we have Kip playing possum. And like he tweaked his knee. Like... Can we not get multiple possum spots in a single match, please? You know, they both end up, like, knocked out at one point to six counts and get a beautiful power slam from Cody. I mean, his brother must have taught him how to power slam because, oh, just, just beautiful. Just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Cody went for his usual belt spot, but, but Penelope Ford takes it. That's when Arn gets in the ring. And I didn't see where he got the shoe. Did anyone see where he got the shoe? Throws a shoe to the crowd. I I, I don't get that. Um, But ultimately it ends up with Arn shoving the official and getting removed. This... Why? This made no sense. I mean, well, this whole... Really, this whole coach thing for Cody isn't making much sense. I think they just wanted to find an on-screen role for Arn Anderson... But I I just don't know why they're doing this. You know, God, get a bullshit chant. And Penelope Ford, while the the ref is distracted for all this, gives Cody a Karana, her Karana off from the steps, which was nice. But why? (laughs) I mean, it wasn't even great heat. And now this was kind of, I guess you could say this was the spot of the match. And when you look at it logically, it makes zero sense, but I still enjoyed it. You have Penelope Ford and, and Sabian, Kip Sabian, going for the, uh, going for their little kiss in front of the corner there of the crowd. And up pops Joey Janela and they kiss his cheeks. Okay, first off, why, like, how did, is he just happen to be sitting there for this match? And why is he sitting there for this match? And he just happened to kiss right there? Like, this... 
This this spot didn't make any logical sense. I kind of liked it though, to be honest. <clears throat> yeah, of course. Then of course we get a tope from Cody, and eventually we get Cody winning after a Cody cutter, I believe Excalibur called it. But it was a uh, it was a rebound one off the rope, which was nice. <clears throat> but after they, he, he, you know, store up those finishers this whole, man, whole match and did three crossroads to him. Why? This is Kip Sabian. Is three crossroads necessary to beat Chris Sabian? Chris Sabian. Keep saying Chris. Kip Sabian. I apologize. Now I'm starting to sound like JR. <laughs> Jesus. But like, ugh, why? Why? This, is this to send a message? To Wardlow for in a couple weeks? Is this a message to MJF? Like, just seemed unnecessary. Great, great match. Goes picture in picture. We see Cody going around signing hats, taking pictures. Held up a child for a picture up in the stands. He leaves through the crowd, just like Mox did earlier. So, you know, we get the same thing twice in one night. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it when they do that. We get a replay from that really, really, really bad promo from the cruise that Britt Baker cut. I swear she was drunk for that promo. It was just bad. Oh, God. Oh, God. I do hear a little bit of a rumor out there, though. She might be a dentist. <laughs> then, for some odd reason, we get Tony Schiavone interviewing Britt Baker again. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, God. They're leaning into this dentist thing. I think they've become a little self-aware of the <laughs> constantly calling her a dentist. Because Tony just calls her Britt Baker. And Britt makes sure to correct him that it's Dr. Britt Baker. Crowd's booing the hell out of her. But, you know, she's from a rival city. So, let's not look too much into that. You know, she starts going after JR. And JR messing up names and whatnot. And, ugh. God, she'd have valid criticism, but is it really necessary to air this stuff on television? Because, I mean, eh, typical heel promo. She was right, but she's still an asshole type of thing. It also says, this kind of made me laugh, diagnoses Tony Schiavone with gingivitis and tells him to pick up a toothbrush. Yeah, I got my notes here. It's a bad promo, but you know what? As much as this was a not a great promo promo... As far as Britt Baker goes, this is probably her best promo. I think she's starting to get into this character, find out who the character is, especially as a heel. Um, yeah, it's I'm seeing some improvement, in my opinion. But I guess we'll see as the weeks go on. She's still she's still Britt Baker, I guess. Oh, God. <laughs> Another backstage segment. This one, I think, had a little too many segments, promo segments, for my liking. Yeah, I liked it when they only did a couple a few weeks back. I mean, it's a still an evolving show, just like this podcast will be. So, anyway, backstage segment with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. You know, the Buck, Kenny's promising the Bucks they're shot eventually at the tag team title that Kenny holds with Hangman Page. Then in comes an intoxicated Hangman Page. I like to think he's doing this drunk or, you know, he just knows really how to act drunk. I'm sure he's got a lot of practice. <laughs> but he says, hey, man, they got all the nameplates back there. Everyone's got a nameplate back there. And hands the Young Bucks their nameplates. <laughs> oh, this was something. This was something. <laughs> but next week we will see. It's advertised next week. We'll see the Elite and the Butcher and the Blade versus and a mystery team. Well, we now know, of course, it is the Elite, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and Hangman versus Butcher and was it? Oh, I think it was Butcher and I should have wrote that down. Butcher and the Blade and um, the Lucha Brothers. Okay, it's a weird pairing of teams, but I mean, as long as we get some proper psychology out of the Lucha Brothers. It could be good. I think that'll be good. That'll be good. SCU enters in Kobe jerseys. I mean, okay, whatever. Other people died. Come on. Let's at least, you know, give something to the other seven people that died in that helicopter crash. But they cut a promo during the picture-in-picture. 
So we see them talking, but we don't hear anything. Come on. I hate it when they do promos during these pictures and pictures. If you're going to do a promo, just give us a normal, a normal, normal commercial break. Because it just feels like the fans at home, like myself, are left out of this. I think some guys that handle this properly are MJF. And the best one is Sammy Guevara with those cue cards. <laughs> That's great. I love that. I love that. <clears throat> definitely, definitely good. And they face off against a hybrid too. You know, I don't even have any notes for this match. Because quite frankly, I hate this style of match. Look, I love Scorpio Sky Kazarian and Christopher Daniels. Especially Christopher Daniels. But the hybrid two do that spot, 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 dive, spot, spot, dive, dive, spot, near fall, near fall, dive, spot, spot type of match. And quite frankly, I didn't like this. I know a lot of people did. I know the live crowd sure did. But it was just spot after spot in a tag match. Oh, God. (laughs) At least it was better what happened after the match, and that is the Dark Order comes out. You know, I'm still wondering, you know, I do wonder who the Dark Order leader is. I know there's speculation on Daniels and Matt Hardy. I'm liking the Matt Hardy one, and it would be if they can handle the Daniels twist well. That can be good. That can be good. But the Dark Order warns Christopher Daniels that they're going to attack his friends. Okay, but why aren't they attacking Christopher Daniels? This definitely enforces the idea that Daniels is the leader. Okay, I guess. So we'll see what happens there going down the road. At least they improved the Dark Order over the last the first couple weeks. So that's another wait and see. One thing I am absolutely loving about AEW are these long-term storylines that's possible with, of course, the quarterly pay-per-views. We're not getting rushed two-week storylines with AEW and I am loving that we are getting nice long slow burn slow build we're gonna get somewhere eventually and you're gonna go oh okay now I see where we were going the last few months I'm looking forward to that I'm looking forward to that this was actually a good promo from the Dark Order I, I did like it I did like it okay then the main event of the evening. Santana Ortiz and Chris Jericho versus Darby Allen and Private Party. Look, I'm just going to preface this. I know earlier I said I love I love the Street Profits. Well, I hate Private Party. Oh, God. I am not a fan of them at all. I am not a fan of their match structure. I'm not a fan of their gimmicks. I am not a fan of their personalities. Some, they can do some good moves, but I just, I... If Darby Allen wasn't in this, I you know, I'll be honest. This is one of those AEWs I probably would have turned the channel to NXT if NXT was live. Um, yeah, this I did not like this match to be honest. Overall, but there there was a lot to this match. Wow, I got almost a whole page of notes for this match. So, uh, and you know, I'm gonna go on to Santana and Ortiz right here now too. What the hell are they in AEW? What the hell are they? Are they... Like, why are they Chris Jericho's goons? What is the gimmick? What, like... Ortiz just seems insane. Santana... Santana at least seems like the badass that he was in Impact. But I very, very much preferred LAX in Impact with Conan as their manager. Especially the stuff with the OGs. Oh man, that was good. OGs and LAX. That uh, that that match where they uh, had the bare boards and everything in the ring. <laughs> that was good. I loved that. Anyway, back to AEW. <clears throat> we uh, uh Dar- Darby's face paint in this match was even a little lazier than it seemed. Makes me wonder. <laughs> you know, I don't know why. Darby was very, very over with this crowd, and why wouldn't he be? He's, uh, you know what? Darby's a star in the making. He is a star in the making. I'm looking forward to see what they do with him, ultimately. 
We start the match, though, with Jericho and Darby in the ring. So, the two most over guys. Oh, I mean, oh, they're up there. Top five. We'll throw them in the top five over guys. Very, very good. Very, very good pairing. <clears throat> we get Jericho, of course, being a coward after a bit in the corner. Ortiz in. Uh, you know, but when Private Party comes in, you know, this is typical of AEW. They're not enforcing their rules. Oh, we're going to be sports-oriented. Okay, sports-oriented means rules are enforced. Let's get a 10 count when we got a whole team in the ring. Oh, God. <laughs> we end up with a, a lot of spots in this match, but we also end up with a lot of poorly timed spots, especially on private party side. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of waiting, a lot of just, oh, God. Crowd's loving it. I've heard a lot of people say how much they love this match, but I'm the complete opposite. But I don't like this style of match. I cannot reiterate this enough. I do not like spot fest matches. Are they entertaining to watch? Hell yeah. They're entertaining to watch. I just don't like them as a match. <laughs> you know, the stuff with Darby, though, the stuff with Darby in there was excellent. You know, of course, we get like coffin drops off the floor. Eventually, we get, you know, Jake Hager coming out. Not Jake Hagar. He's not a former Van Halen singer. <clears throat> and you get a cough and drop to Jake, which was excellent. <clears throat> Ultimately, though, of course, Jericho goes over, which, I mean, I think you kind of have to do in this match. Um, and then, of course, we get, we get the inner circle beating down Darby Allen. I don't know why they weren't beating down Private Party, but they were beating down Darby Allen. <clears throat> What was interesting, though, is we see they're going for a spot, a jawbreaker with a skateboard. And you can clearly see Darby Allen holding this skateboard to his own chin. Let's, uh, man, that just, that, that was amateur. That was just amateur. But we got Moxley coming out for the save again. Massive pop. He's got a, he's got a bad, he clears house to end the show. Overall, I guess it was inadequate. All Elite Wrestling show. Um, I just, like I said, it's the match styles for me. Um, uh, I'll be honest, if NXT was live in Canada, I would be watching that on Wednesday nights at this point. Because um, NXT to me is always a very good show. And uh, I will be adding NXT, my NXT thoughts to this podcast down the road, probably in March. Just this is a very, very busy month. I do auto body and the car show. Big car show's coming up, so. <clears throat> yeah. Now. Oh, dear God. We're at 47 minutes, 48 minutes now. Let's just try to keep this around an hour or under an hour. So we will just. Let's just run through SmackDown like I wish I could do when it's on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to say this, my initial thought of this week's SmackDown. There were, overall, I thought it was good, but, but, the opening and the closing was hot garbage. Just hot, <laughs> or hot dog food, I should say, I guess. You know, Roman Reigns opens with a promo with the Usos, Corbin and Ziggler come out, yada, yada, yada between them, Corbin doing his usual, you know, what? I'm going to talk about Corbin for a second here. I am a Corbin apologist. I will say that right now. I believe Corbin knows exactly, exactly what he is doing. The modern day fan does not, um, does not want that old school heel style. They still want the heels to be flashy, to be flip-flop and flying and tope out the ring and let's not sell a goddamn thing. That's what they want from both the faces and the heels. Well, these days, to be a good heel, you don't do any of that shit. You just go out there, you wrestle a mat-based match, you wrestle a slow-paced match, you make that crowd hate you. That's how an effective heel is these days. And Baron Corbin is an effective heel. He knows exactly what he is doing. You'll say it's a bad match, I'm sure, but... You know, I'm a Baron fan. I love what he does. And, 
He knows exactly what he is doing. He is not dumb. He is not terrible. He's <laughs> he's a genius. Okay, and I'm sure that saying that will get me a lot of heat. But this whole promo that we're talking about here sets up for the main event, which is that long-rumored loser heats dog food match, which is disgusting. But, I mean, this isn't the first time a loser eats dog food match. NWO, or NWO? NWA used to do this, used to do these matches. So, God, this was just, why? Why, why? I hope this is over, but I'm sure it's going to continue to WrestleMania. Well, actually, not the thing about might not, but just let it be done. Just let it be done. <laughs> we did get a... Uh, after this, though, after this, this is when SmackDown got good. This was probably, in all honesty, one of my favorite matches of the entire week. I haven't watched NXT this week, full disclosure. But this was one of my favorites. We get Heavy Machinery versus Lucha House Party versus Miz and Morrison versus The Revival. I, Of course, we all know about The Revival and their issues, so I don't think I really need to say who eats the pin in this match. Some things I noticed, though, Dawson has a new facial hairstyle. Looked like he had a Fu Machu. But, ugh, very, very good match, ultimately. Except for one thing. I mean, they always say these are... You know, eight man tag. These eight man tags are fatal four way or four way, and um, <clears throat> it's always a four corners. Just, just once, I want to see a proper four way tag team match. Four guys in the ring, four guys in the ring, but that doesn't happen. Um, yeah, <clears throat> we get we get a lot out of this match. Probably the. You know, there wasn't a lot of down in this match, but we did get a bad tag, looking tag from Grand Metalik where he had to go for it twice. Um, we got him in there with John Morrison, and you know what? I want more of this. I want more Morrison and Grand Metalik because this was good. All oh, this was good. Just the you get the lucha style with Morrison's parkour style. And they had some great spots. Oh, sorry. They were obviously rehearsed, but yeah, such such a great spot, such a great, just a great matchup. <clears throat> but we did a, we got Lucha House Party though at one point, drop kicking uh, Heavy Machinery out of the ring. Okay, these are big boys. This is a tag team that's a combined 600 and something pounds. And Lucha House Party's about a combined 200 pounds. <laughs> oh, I guess combined for what, around 400? But it's just... <laughs> that that kind of took me out of it, seeing that. Especially with Otis. <laughs> you know, Otis in the power belly. But, you, you know, oh man. We get, just throughout this, we get like a super entertaining stunner cell for Miz. There was a double stunner on Miz and Morrison. And Miz just... Morrison crumbled, but Miz bounces, stands up, clap. Oh, man. God, I love Miz. <laughs> I just... I love Miz. And uh, Otis, you know, he gets his comeback spot in this match, which is always entertaining. You know, gets that, be gets that belly out there. Gets Gives us a caterpillar. Uh, to Miz and Morrison this week. <clears throat> but we get a Morrison second rope spear later on in this match. Morrison, uh, from the apron, slingshots himself off the middle rope for a spear. Oh, that was good. Man, it is nice to see Morrison back with WWE. It is so, so nice to see Morrison back. That was just great. We get it. And of course... Since they're the returning guys, we get Miz and Morrison winning with a skull-crushing finale and a starship pain to Dawson. But, but, this was a little bungled up, it looked like, because Dawson was too close in the corner, it looked. And uh, it looked a little bit awkward, the starship pain from the top. This match was, oh man, I loved this match. 
I love tag team wrestling. I love tag team wrestling with proper psychology, with proper selling. That isn't a complete spot fest. Get those spots in there, but give me some selling too. Come on. This is a tag match, this one here. And after the match, we get Otis. We get Otis and Knight in the back. And they're, you know, talking. Hey, we'll get him next time. Usual stuff. And walks Mandy. And the greatest storyline in WWE right now. And, you know, we get we get Tucker Knight hyping up Otis. You gotta do it. Do it now, man. Do it now. You can do it. You can do it. You know, we've all heard it from our buddies over the years. <clears throat> and uh, he asks Mandy out, finally, for next Friday. And she's busy. Oh, no. No, 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 no. But she's available Friday after. Which, if we look at the calendar, it's February 14th. That's right. Otis has a Valentine's Day date with Mandy Rose. Oh, man. You know what? I'm looking forward to that SmackDown just for that segment alone. If they don't do multiple segments throughout the night for that, I will be disappointed. We get up next. We get uh, Bliss and Cross versus Fire and Desire. <laughs> Which uh, Alexa Bliss eventually wins with a Twisted Bliss on uh, Mandy Rose. You know, this is not a great match. But compared to any women's match in AEW, this was good. <laughs> okay. Um, as far as WWE goes, this was not the best match as far as the women's division. I'd like to see more, but... Uh, I'd, uh, yeah. I, I don't even know what the point was to this match. If anything, Fire and Desire should have gone over, I think. Um, Bliss and Cross have got a lot, especially Bliss over the years. So, yeah, just just give us someone turning already in that Cross and Bliss pairing, because if this is the matches we're going to get, let us get Alexa Bliss back in the singles division. Then uh, we finally get Braun Strowman versus Shinsuke Nakamura in an IC title match. You know, this was a good match. This was a very, very good match. I enjoyed this heavily. Um, you know, uh, Cesaro goes to remove the turnbuckle cover. And, well, he does remove the turnbuckle cover. Shinsuke tries to put Braun into it. Braun stops and puts Shin's head into it. And finally, finally, finally... We get Braun Strowman with a singles title in WWE. Yes! Braun Strowman is the new Intercontinental Champion. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Finally. I love Braun. I mean, I think they have damaged him over the last little while. But with a title run, especially an IC title run, we might be able to start repairing him. You know, after this, we get a Sammy backstage interview where Sammy is just hot. What a great interview. I love this Sammy character. This arrogant, the arrogance of Sammy Zayn right now is just brilliant. I think he has a lot of say in this because he seems to be full, full into this character. And this was excellent. Until Elias interrupts from the ring. And he keeps interrupting him. Finally, Sammy sends out Cesaro to take care of uh, take care of the situation as he worded it. I don't have any notes on that. Huh. Wow. Okay. I can't remember what happened. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. I don't know if he actually did anything. Well, he did go out. I remember he did go out. I didn't write anything down, though. Huh. This is going to be an evolving product. This is my first time podcasting, so my notes obviously aren't good enough. I'll have to do better on my note-taking. Anyway, we get Sheamus versus Chad Gable yet again. But, again, the smart face. We get Chad Gable blindsiding Sheamus pre-match during his entrance. Ultimately, though, it didn't matter. (laughs) Ultimately, it didn't matter. We come back and Sheamus is killing him. Which led to, you know, this match was probably a little bit back and forth throughout it. But ultimately, Sheamus did have the majority of the aggression. And he wins with a very, very stiff Irish curse to a bro kick. And pins him. 
Yeah, that was what it was. I'm tired of this matchup. I'm tired of Shorty G. Let's let's move on. What are they doing to Shorty G? What are they doing to Chad Gable? This man is an Olympian. They would not do this to Kurt Angle. Like, oh God, come on. Ugh. Ugh. Man, get a Bailey in ring promo after this. Typical Bailey being cocky and. You know, she's gone from, like, the emo teenager to the trying to be just... Oh, God. I am already tired of this Bailey character, honestly. Uh, go back to a phase, Bailey, but keep the look. Keep the aggression. And don't bring back the Bailey buddies. Oh, man. On the bright side, or should I say the glow side... We get a Naomi SmackDown return. Oh, good, good, good. Thank you for this. You know, Naomi has the best entrance. You know, the best entrance in wrestling. I'm just going to say it. I love that entrance. And this time she was wearing this, like, you know, DJ helmet thing. That was great. <laughs> Takes off that hair's, you know, three times the size of the helmet. And she gives the typical, oh yeah, you've beat everyone here, but you haven't beaten me type promo. You know, it, it was good. It was good. It definitely improved when ba and Naomi came out. So, I think we're going to, I think for WrestleMania, we're going to get Naomi and Bailey. And you know what? That's going to be good. Especially if Naomi wins it back. Because she didn't lose it last time. She got injured. So... Yeah, that'll be good. That'll be good. And then the main event. Oh, dear God. You know what? I've gone an hour on this, so I'm just going to say it. You know, we, of course, had the Samoans go over. Thank you. Post-match, we got Corbin now handcuffed to the ring post eating the dog food. Okay, this is the finish. Please let this be the finish. We're done with this now, right? We are done with this. Thank you. Goodbye. Let's just be done. <laughs> Okay, you know, and okay to now to summarize, this was a pretty good week of wrestling. Um, I would say Raw was the strongest show, SmackDown the weakest, and that's just because of the opening and closing segments in the women's match. You know, it was good. Uh, AW was good, but it was what it was. <laughs> You know, AEW is a constantly evolving product. So, I'm just I'm going to give a little bit of podcast business. This here, Turnbuckle Commentaries, is a new venture. Um, ultimately, this is to also help me with my streaming on Twitch with my talking. I am a lifelong wrestling fan, and I just want to do something with that. I watch, sometimes I can watch 30, 40 hours of wrestling a week. Uh, lately though, I've been very busy, so it's been Raw, AEW, and SmackDown. I'm going to get NXT back in there probably in March, probably get some, uh, MLW in there as well. I haven't been watching New Japan, simply because I'm one broke son of a bee, so I can't actually afford the thousand yen. Um... And all it comes across as weird because I have the network, but the network is actually um, I'm Canadian. The network's on my cable subscription, <laughs> so. But anyway, my name is Wade Hayden. I am known as Freak Show Inc. on Twitter, and and uh, Twitch, Instagram. I'm looking forward to doing this for a while. This will be a constantly evolving product. Uh, I hope I improve. You know. The first AEW wasn't all that great. They improved over time. Let's let's see what happens here. I thank you for listening to this experiment. I am use I'm gonna give a shout out to Anchor. You know, this isn't paid, but I am using them to distribute this. Uh, it looks like I'm on most major platforms. This for the time being is likely going to be a Monday morning release. I'm going to try and schedule it for probably 5 a.m. Uh, Eastern. So, you know, people can get it on their way to work. Uh, if anyone's listening to this, I, I greatly, greatly thank you. 
I enjoy doing this. I started out doing this on YouTube with the with a Royal Rumble pre-show. Went 40 minutes. No one wants to watch a video for 40 minutes. It's just some Mark ranting and raving about the Royal Rumble. And then I went almost an hour on my Royal Rumble post-show. So I decided, hey, let's do this as an audio format. You know? Again, thank you for listening. I, uh, I'm going to go and watch more wrestling is what I'm going to do. And I will be back next week at the same time. Thank you so much for this opportunity. This is the Turnbuckle Commentary. And you know what? I'm going to continue doing this whether you're listening or not. So I hope you listen. Good night.